You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, voting accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. All right. How's our sound? I think so. It's not too shabby. How are you? A little, uh, maybe lower the gain a little bit. Yeah, so people don't hear all the outside wonderful noise. Good morning, everyone. Cheerios. Cheers. Cheers. So as you know, we are not at our usual location. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. Slight upgrade. <laughs> Slight upgrade. <laughs> We're uh, uh, hanging out with family out east. Yeah, it's beautiful. So it's really beautiful. So we decided why not That's have weird. you guys join us. On we weren't going to do the show, but then we're like, yeah, we got to. There's a lot going on. We got yep. the Monero upgrade. We got the tornado cash news. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff. And Monero uh, hitting uh, new all-time highs in terms of transaction count. A lot of things. And we were able to grab Seth, but I think we only have him for a short amount of time. Yeah, so let's uh, bring him on right now. Let's, let's do it. Let's get on our segment. Let's get him going. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Hello, hello, Seth. Seth, what's going on, man? Doing pretty good, guys. How's it going, Doug and Sunita? Thanks for having me on. No, yeah, thank of you course. For Thanks for, for doing it. I know it was last minute. Yeah, glad we were able to work it out. Yeah. Yes, so, yes, yes. Uh, obviously, there's, there's a lot going on right now. Do you want to get your, your quick your quick takes on, on some of the big events. So I guess the first thing is the, the upgrade. What, how did it go? I had a busy day yesterday. So unfortunately I didn't actually watch as, as we passed that, that block height and upgraded, but all my nodes followed along. No problems at all. My wallets are working without issues. Nice privacy upgrades, nice efficiency upgrades, wallet sync time upgrades, all without really a hitch. I think really the only issue is the remaining Trezor firmware upgrade that we're waiting on. And that's really kind of the main pain point in the ecosystem that I know of. I think all the main exchanges upgraded and it seems to be going smoothly so far. So it seems like we've improved this upgrade process over the years and kind of fine-tuned it. Yeah, pretty awesome. smooth. Yeah, I wasn't really paying attention either. Yeah, we were kind <laughs> of busy too. It, it's a good hard fork if no one has to pay attention. And right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a good I sign. My, you know, my 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 Monero.com wallet, and it seems to be working just fine. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. are, are you seeing? Have you have you? Well, I guess like you said, you didn't have time. But I mean, can we can we see a noticeable difference in? in update times on wallets and sync time. So the main thing with that is you'll only see the improvement from view tags on transactions that happen after the fork. So when you're syncing before that fork height and on transactions that are before the fork height, they don't have the view tag because obviously it wasn't in the network then. So the main advantage will come once you've been transacting in the the new Monero protocol. Another way that you can kind of gain that advantage and something that I've thought about is you could also take this chance to move all your funds to a new wallet and just send all your funds in or just resend your funds to yourself 
and update the restore height that you have set and just restore from there moving forward. And then all of your transactions at that point, all of your outputs will have few tags. And so the sync will be much quicker. Um, uh, so it's another way to do it. Or you can just continue transacting normally. And as you spend over time, your outputs will slowly be be upgraded to this this new version, have view tags and get that faster sync. Do you do that often anyway? Is that something you do? I mean, not necessarily churning, but just kind of updating your wallet, sending to a new address, just so you don't have to scan the entire blockchain if you were to, whatever reason. Yeah, I, I do it every now and then. I mean, it's not like a, I don't like do it a, a scheduled time period or anything like that. I try to be careful when doing it, not to just dump all funds at once into the new one, but it is nice. I mean, the main thing for me is that way I'm not having to sync from like the first block I got into Monero or something when I want to sync right. up my my main wallet. Um, I also use multiple wallets, so that the main one that I actually spend from is not the one that normally receive receive funds on or, or my cold wallet, that kind of thing. So I always have a few, but normally I do up, like update it, migrate to a new, new seed and everything like once a year or so just to kind of keep things fresh and make it easier when I'm restoring. Yeah, I got to do that. We got to do more of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got some, old, no time we got some old wallets laying around, like, <laughs> you know, whatever reason to, to glitch, and I had to reload them. Like Jesus, go back. Yeah, yeah, it's not fun when you have to restore like two years no, of right. history yeah, or like, something. I don't know if it's gonna work for whatever reason, just because there's that shadow of a doubt, and then you want to wait like three days. <laughs> you can't use your phone; you have to leave it out. <laughs> yeah, so it might be a good idea to send to a fresh, fresh address. Yeah, any other thoughts on the upgrade? Any, anything else you're you're keeping an eye on there? I mean, I think the main thing for me is just the beauty of Monero being designed for adversarial environments like this. I mean, we've been planning for all this craziness with Tornado Cash. We've been planning for adversarial environments where we we don't know what the legal status of these things will be and privacy tools being targeted and uh, the fact that Monero was able to upgrade and improve the protocol in the midst of all of this without a hitch, I think is another great sign that not only is Monero well prepared for this, but we're continuing to iterate and improve the tool no matter what the environment looks like, uh, which I think is is a huge thing and should be really encouraging to people that, like, uh, I, I tweeted yesterday or the day before that just, like, looking back on all of the brilliant people who have contributed to Monero, written code, come up with ideas over the years, they've always had this bent towards building it in a way that it can survive adversarial environments. And, and oftentimes I think have been maybe not mocked, but looked down on by people in like the Bitcoin community and others, because the, the approaches taken seem too extreme when you're viewing things from this very light, non-combative environment that we've had in cryptocurrency over the last decade. But when you start to view things from the situation we're rolling into and the way things are shifting against privacy tools, I think it starts to become very clear that the, the design behind Monero is is excellent and is prepared for this like we we have kind of really all of our bases covered to help make sure that monero is as resilient as possible and i would argue it's more resilient than pretty much any other cryptocurrency out there to continue fighting continue working no matter what the the legal landscape the regulatory landscape the the environment is like ah uh, but but the, but the fact that we upgrade doesn't make us a centralized shitcoin that we're you know, because I've, I've been hearing that one quite a bit recently. That seems to be the, the final argument against Monero. Always pops up around hard forks, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what, what is your, your short and sweet response to, to people who define Monero as a centralized shitcoin because of its upgrades? I think my main one is that uh, I think that view is 
reasonable earlier on in Monero's history when we had scheduled six month hard forks and we were changing the the proof of work algorithm every time and that that is very centralizing like there's there's not really no arguing that but we've we've shifted from that over the years i mean like i've been telling people before this hard fork we hadn't had another one in in two years this one was a long time in the making very non-contentious no issues with it and i think we've we've seen the shift in the narrow from I wouldn't say centralized, but more centralized than it is now because that the planning around hard forks does have a centralizing effect in some ways. But we've seen that shift from scheduled hard forks that included proof of work algorithm changes and other things to now very sparse, like every couple years, probably even longer between hard forks in the future. Many more people involved in the planning and development for those hard forks themselves. I mean, like this specific upgrade there were 71 individual contributors of code to the specific software release and many, many more than that. If you included all the people that joined meetings, helped to contribute in other ways, helped to keep the community involved. There's a lot of people who are involved in this process and it's always open to everyone. I think that's another thing that people miss is that the, the meetings for planning these hard forks is always open. Anyone can contribute code. Anyone can review code, obviously assuming they show that they're proficient and, the code base it's it's not like there's some closed group who's deciding these things and then just issuing an ultimatum to the community like this is we decided all of this uh, we came together and decided these are the things we want to put in this upgrade so i think yeah. really we've we've shifted from a more centralizing hard fork approach to one that's decentralized that's really ossifying in a way over time certainly not like bitcoin but we're we're un- understanding the network better we're implementing things that have a, a longer kind of shelf life and as the protocol is maturing, we're needing these updates less and less often. Um, so that's a that's a good sign. Everyone should be encouraged. And it also means that the network is continuing to get more decentralized. Right, right. It's interesting because they talk about it in Bitcoin land as, as though it's, it's this great feature. And it's really nothing that's built into Bitcoin that prevents this happening in Bitcoin, right? It's just, you know, people, people could soft fork Bitcoin. They could hard fork Bitcoin. And then it's just up to the community whether or not they want to adopt the new chain. I mean, same thing in Monero. This is how blockchains work. This is how the, the tech works. And we just happen to easily form consensus around our updates because the, the vast majority of the Monero community seems to be on board with the, you know, the roadmap of, of the tech. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's the yeah. way I look at it. And so I, I just don't see why it's seen as a flaw in it's literally all blockchain tech has this ability to to update and fork and that it's just up to the community of whether or not they want to yeah and when you're when you're building for adversarial environments and when you have a focus on user privacy this is the best way to do it in cryptocurrencies like you you need to ensure that users can't shoot themselves in the foot you need to ensure that that outputs are fungible. You need to ensure all these things. You can only do that through consensus and you can only upgrade consensus through hard forks. So there's really not another approach. Like I would love it if we didn't need to hard fork. That would be amazing. I, I certainly don't love the process. I don't think it's it's perfect and the actual process of getting it done is complicated and messy, but it's the best thing we have. It's the only way to ensure that every user of Monero gains strong privacy no matter what that the Monero protocol is resilient. It's, it is the way to do this. And obviously soft forks have some, some advantages, but I think the big disadvantage is most of the time, the things that get soft forked in don't get used or take years and years to see usage. And even then those things can't affect consensus, can't enforce fungibility, et cetera. So 
it's definitely something where like I kind of view it as a necessary evil. I don't love them, but they're they are the way that you have to upgrade consensus and it's it's a very important piece of staying ahead in the the privacy arms race. Yeah. I mean it's it's kind of a bit of hubris to think that, you know, your protocol is already reached, you know, this divine stage where it does no longer needs to be upgraded. <laughs> I don't know, I just yeah. I, I mean when you especially when you've clearly seen the shortcomings that Bitcoin has, right? So, I don't know. But you think there's anything that can be done? Obviously you said like, you know, the, the naturally steps have already taken place wherein we've we've gone from regular scheduled hard forks to now ones that only happen every so often you think there's anything else that could be done with the process to make sure it's you know as least centralized as possible any anything that could happen i mean the biggest thing is just it's just people jumping in and helping out joining meetings finding ways that they can contribute doing their part to reach out to ecosystem partners like if you love an exchange make sure that you're in touch with them to make sure that that they're updating and well aware of it that's really the biggest thing i mean we don't i feel like the overall process like the technical process i think is quite sound the biggest problems are really the ecosystem and getting more eyes on code and getting more more voices in meetings and those kinds of things and that's not that's not for lack of trying that's just people aren't choosing to join and that's I'm just saying that more people could join. We, we actually had many more people contributing to this hard fork than I remember from the last last few. So I think there certainly were more people involved in the planning of this one. But really, the biggest thing is we have a massive community around Monero. And obviously, not everyone is somebody who wants to sit in IRC rooms and matrix chats and that kind of thing. But especially around hard fork time, trying to to stay in touch, to, to join meetings and to figure out what you can do is a, a really key thing. And like something that that I was able to contribute for this hard fork and that we'll use for future ones is a checklist that helps us make sure that we don't miss yeah. ecosystem partners and steps in the process and just having people help to keep that up to date and help to, to reach out to ecosystem people. There's a lot there that people just need to opt into. It's not really a technical change. I don't think that needs to happen. It's just more of the community needs to choose to dedicate that time, needs to see the importance of Monero and of upgrading the Monero protocol and do their part to, to help out more. Awesome. And you said, do we already know the next one is probably going to be two years from now? Is that is that the thinking? And that, that would be, I'm assuming a Seraphist would, would probably be included in that, ready by then? Yeah, I mean, right now, I think the plan would be to wait until Seraphist, which is the, the next proposed protocol upgrade, is ready and I think the estimates on that are probably uh, 2024, 2025. Um, so yeah, probably two to three years, maybe less. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect sooner than two years for actually implementing it in the network and actually hard forking. So probably around that same time period. And uh, how are you feeling about the ring size these days? So obviously we had a, a nice increase in ring size. I mean, do you, do you think that that gets us pretty close to where we need to be in terms of the ideal? where we start to approach a large enough ring size where there's really not much room for criticism there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a big step forward, especially just for the average user, because that gives you more plausible deniability, more more usage of decoys in the network. There's a lot of advantages to every for everyone in the network. I think I definitely am excited for the exponentially increased ring sizes of Seraphis, specifically to prevent flooding attacks. I think that's still one of the bigger risks to Monero as a network. If we are targeted by a nation state as um, that nation state choosing to, to flood outputs on the network and try to control a significant portion so they can 
at least get a better idea of what the true spins are in transactions. So the bump from 11 to 16 has a an outsized impact on improving that. So that's definitely a big deal, and I think that buys us some time. But that type of attack will become almost pointless after Seraphis with ring sizes like 128, um, because you'll have to control, like, I want to say with ring size 16 now, you need to control 95% of outputs over a given period to have a reasonable expectation of guessing the right output in a, in a transaction that you didn't create. And so with 128, I'm sure it's like 98, 99%, which would be very, very difficult and would be very clear what's actually happening on the network. So I'm definitely excited for bigger, but I, I definitely think I, I wasn't worried about 11 right now, but I'm glad that we got the bump to 16 just because we know that it's going to be longer and longer between upgrades. So if something happens between now and whenever Seraphis is ready, we have this extra buffer that has a, a large impact on protecting us against targeted attacks and just uh, general surveillance as well. Um, so that's, that's definitely a good thing. It's a, it's a huge win and uh, I'm glad that we were able to fit it in and do it in such a way that it it remains quite efficient because we also were able to implement Bulletproofs Plus in here and have view tags, which help sync times. And all these things go to negate really the, the downsides of increasing that ring size before we have Seraphis. So a big deal there. And I, I definitely think that'll be a, a nice improvement. But honestly, I think the biggest the biggest improvement that'll get more people using Monero and using it more frequently is, is view tags, probably. Mm-hmm. Just because wallet sync is going to be so much better after that process which is is huge and i know i know you're you're short on time so i just want to get one last topic in there you 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 mentioned it a little bit the tornado tornado cash what's what's your take on that how how are you currently viewing that situation yeah i mean definitely crazy i I think this is something many of us have been talking about as like a a potential future but i don't know that many people thought that this was going to happen so soon that not only would the U.S. government target a privacy tool, but they would pr- target an entire decentralized non-custodial privacy project. And that's a it's a very big deal. It sets a lot of bad precedents for how they could go after other decentralized non-custodial privacy tools. I think specifically it's more of a danger to app-level privacy, where the the developers are actually making money off the tool because it, it provides a, an easier legal avenue for prosecution where they can claim that you're making funds off of money laundering. Because like one of the one of the shocking things with this is that the the US government essentially claimed that every usage of Tornado Cash was money laundering. <laughs> Even though they could only point out something like seven to fifteen percent as being actually illicit usage. Mm-hmm. So they claim that even though they know the usage is not illicit or they can't directly claim that it is illicit they're still claiming that it's all money laundering. And so they can use, honestly, stupid psychological tools like that to try to leverage pressure against projects to make them essentially not want to create these projects anymore. And I think that's the biggest thing. When we see sanctions, it's ultimately telling us the government feels impotent to technologically stop something. They could have just pressured the Tornado Cash devs to shut it down. They would have, but they couldn't. And that's one of the the good things about Ethereum is it actually is relatively decentralized. And in this case, the smart contract couldn't be stopped even by the Tornado Cash devs. So I think when the government feels that pressure of, of impotence to stop something with technological tools or with simpler and more more hidden legal pressure going after just the developers themselves, they leverage sanctions. And they do that because they want to dissuade their own populace from using this privacy tool when others like it. And they want to dissuade developers from building tools like this. And I think we've seen the continuation of that with the arrest of the Tornado Cash developer in the Netherlands later on this week, uh, or later on last week. So I, I think it's it's definitely a tool to leverage psychological pressure. And it's 
it's also another great a great call out to what Monero has been built for. Because ultimately, I think, again, Monero is probably the most resilient cryptocurrency project if this sort of tool was tried, was attempted to be leveraged against the Monero project because we had a fair issuance. There's no pre-mine. There's no dev tax. There's no angle for them to go after Monero with kind of the normal legal tropes. They can't use money laundering. They can't use these things because no one's making money off that. The fees well, are mean, the I miners. Suppose, suppose they could say the miners, right? I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm fearful of the fact that you know this is they're setting precedent for it's not it's not it's a slippery slope and it's not a, a large stretch of the imagination to go from what they did with tornado cash in terms of essentially sanctioning an open source project Mm -hmm. open source software project to then a leap from that to sanctioning monero i mean um they start to become indistinguishable in ways what would you really say is the distinguishing factor between those two like why you know, obviously, obviously, you know, I, I would hope they would distinguish between the two. But is there a strong uh, line between them effectively as, as what they are as a technology? I mean, they're, they're both open source protocols that are, are self-running. Yeah, I, I think there definitely are some key differences. I think one of those is that the developers themselves don't have any financial incentive or gain from sure. the actual usage of the Monero protocol. So there's no there's no easy ties to the claim of profiting off of money laundering, which is the really common one. I mean, this is the same thing that they've used against Helix, which was a Bitcoin mixer that was shut down in 2019. I think guy was arrested, now works for the feds as an informant. This is the same thing that was used against Blender.io, which is another centralized custodial mixer. And the same thing that was used against Tornado Cash. Mm -hmm. But when you use Tornado, I'm not completely familiar with it, but when you just Mm -hmm. use it in its most basic form and you're not going through, you know, the centralized customer facing app part of it where you're just using you know at at its base layer are there fees being collected that are going to the original devs of tornado cash or it's just the uh, you know ethereum fees my understanding is that there is that there's a there's a hard-coded fee as part of using the Tornado Cash smart contract. I haven't delved too deeply into that. I know there was a fee for using the, the front end, but my understanding is that it's part of the smart contract itself. Mm. So that yeah. is a, a key piece of it and something where that has been the kind of the claim leveraged against these tools in the past generally. I mean, normally the other thing leveraged against them is that they cost you to use your funds, which that was, I think, the bigger shift in them going after Tornado Cash is... Not only was it decentralized, which is a big difference, but it was non-custodial. So Tornado Cash people never had custody of the funds, and so they could never be, they couldn't be targeted as a money transmitter in any way. But they continued to use that that money laundering angle. So I think with Monero, that's a big difference: is that the, the actual legal grounds are very different. That's I'm not going to say that's going to stop the government forever. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some sort of sanctions brought against Monero in the future. But I think that is a a ways off. I think they'll continue to crack down on other app layer privacy tools first. But I think that's another reason why I'm glad that Monero is prepared for this. I mean, you mentioned miners as the specific angle that they could take because miners are the ones who directly profit off of usage of the network. But that's why things like RandomX, so that we don't have to rely on ASICs, mm-hmm. is a massive, massive thing because literally anyone with a computer could be one of these illicit miners. And you have no way of knowing based on hardware alone. And why decentralized pools like P2Pool are essential, like absolutely essential. Because the only pressure point they really have against miners 
are pools. And so if we have a way to do mining in a decentralized fashion, we can ensure that essentially we cannot be pressured into stopping the network. People can continue to mine and continue to do it using P2 pool in a way that's uncensorable and unstoppable. So that that is a huge, huge thing. The only real risk, I think, to the Monero network is that through the sanctions, they also actively attack the network and mine empty blocks. That would be really my only concern is that the government would leverage compute power of their own and actively attack the network. But that would be a massive leap from where we're at now. And I, I don't think we'll see that, at least not in a very long time. So I think that the way Monero has prepared for this makes us very resilient, but I don't think people should assume that that means no action will be brought against Monero in the future. I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised because it is a, it's a powerful tool. They are impotent to stop it. They cannot prevent people from using Monero. They cannot prevent people from mining Monero. They can't prevent people from developing on Monero. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see something in the future, but I think there will be really no legal grounds for anything in Monero. And it would be a, a sign that essentially the legal system is completely failing us and the justice system is completely failing us if something like Monero is sanctioned and people are prevented from using it. I mean, I think Tornado Cash is an example of the legal system and justice system failing us. And hopefully there will be a strong outcry from non-cryptocurrency groups um, to push back on this as a, an attack on free speech, an attack on the human rights privacy. And this is a big deal. And I think there has been a large outcry from a large part of the cryptocurrency community, but I'm hoping that entities like the EFF will step in and make, make strong pushes and make strong legal cases against these sanctions to to help push back against this precedent. Yeah, we, we reached out to them and they, they responded that they didn't <laughs> yeah, they, have a comment at this yeah, point. Yeah, they didn't which, have a comment. Uh, I, I don't know. I was, yeah, I, I know uh, Samurai reached out to them as well, Samurai Wallet, and they said that they're they're working on something in the background, yeah. but have nothing to comment on publicly. Yeah, yes, which is fine. They're, they're di- digesting. Uh, I just I just hope that's the case and you know they're not becoming soft on, on issues like yeah. this. Yeah, I guess yeah. That my, my my final. I know you got to go. If you got if you got to go right now, you got to go right now. I won't even ask that. Uh, I was just gonna say, you know, <laughs> he throws it off. Is, is this a go moment where we could see where we could see communities start to to coalesce and and come to agreement on the fact that it's it's us versus them? Because I even see even with this incident, I see a lot of finger pointing among everybody that should essentially be on the same side of this, right? The the government has you know, taken acts against us and has taken away our, our liberties. And yet I see people even in the Monero community from different projects, Samurai, Monero, I'm just giving examples, you know, uh, just a lot of different finger pointing in different ways. Uh, whereas this could be a great opportunity for people to kind of unite uh, and, and agree that something uh, a, a wrong has, has taken place here. And that we should all kind of stand up and, and point that out to the government. Do you, any advice to the community, to the Monero community, or, or what you would like to see the response be? Comment yeah, on I, what the response uh, as so far. Let me talk. <laughs> yeah, I really think just like you said, communities coming together in defense of the right to privacy and the defense of free speech and code as free speech. And this is a chance to really push past maximalism of all varieties, Bitcoin, Monero, whatever, because we, we're we standing and fighting for something bigger. And there are great people in the Bitcoin community, great people in the Ethereum community, great people in the Monero community who are all fighting for the same thing. Obviously, we have different preferences, we have different approaches, but we need to understand that many of us are fighting for the same thing and have a lot of the same ethos behind the scenes. Um, so 
push past maximalism, push past little petty disputes in the past and, and find ways to work together towards that. And I think we're going to see a lot of people shift to better understand why Monero is what it is, why we've taken these approaches. And there are going to be a lot of people both now agreeing with Monero's approach and, and coming to, to help. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. And yeah, excited to see what the future holds. This will be a, this will be a wake up call for a lot of people. And that's a good thing. People have to get burnt normally before they wake up to understand what's what's happening and what they need to do. So I think this is a a good situation of people putting their hands in the flames and understanding what we're up against. But I do have to run. Thank you all so awesome, much for having awesome. us. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Seth. <laughs> Thank really you so appreciate much it. for your time. Thank you, man. Joining us Bye. this morning. And yep. Have a good awesome. rest of your weekend. Oakley dokley. I guess uh, let's move on to the price report because I know people are usually excited about it. Well, that. I want to let's, let's, let... let's throw up the uh, this thing. Oh, okay. You know, so guys, it would have been nice if Seth was sticking around just so he could he could comment on this. But in reaction to what we saw with the government sanctioning Tornado Cash, uh, we decided to put together this. This drum little event, roll. I something... forget which one's the drum roll. Decided <laughs> <laughs> so to put together this little event. We'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of uh, reaction we get from the community. I'm excited about it. I think it'd be something uh, cool to do, and it seems like the right time to do it. You want to throw it up there, Sunita? Yeah, doing it right now. So this won't be the next Monero Topia. This is just going to be uh, an interim event. We're going to look to do it on Halloween. Can you make it? Can you make it big screen? Is that on? I'm trying to, yeah. So, an, uh, a privacy protest. We're going to do it in Washington Square Park. Yeah, we're just going to try to get people to come out and support privacy tech. Obviously, we're going to cater to the Monero crew. That's where we, you know, where we have our support. We'll put it up to all uh, the New York City meetup people coming to. New York during Halloween is an amazing time. We were originally going to try to do a, a full-blow Monerotopia conference uh, at that time, but it's uh, too soon. We can't really do that. So we're going to we're going to try to do this. We'll we'll see what happens. And uh, the the cool part is you could essentially converge at this point and show up anonymously. It is Halloween. Everybody's going to be in costume anyway, and then we're going to be providing anonymous masks. And the idea is we'll have, you know, maybe two, three speakers that are going to talk about the importance of privacy tech. Uh, some of these ideas that Seth was talking about. Code is speech. I, I'm, I'm of the uh, belief that, that money is speech. I believe there's philosophical arguments to be made there and constitutional arguments to be made there. I know that's a, a bit of a controversial viewpoint. That's something that I, that I, strongly believe in and haven't been convinced otherwise. It's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about Monero itself. I think everybody deserves the right to transact privately and freely without censorship. And I see that as a form of speech. And so the idea is, you know, let's we get 50, 100 people out there and maybe we get some onlookers and, you know, we, we, we put our energy in the right place. Now, obviously, I know things like developing the code and staying anonymous and working, you know, being a cypherpunk and working on the tools that are actually, you know, going to going to win the day are, are much more important. But I think actions like these are important as well. It's political action and maybe it will help bring people's attention to it. So we're looking to do that on Halloween in New York City, in Washington Square. You could anonymously purchase your anonymous mask by sending Monero to the address we put on there. 
and, uh, and then you can come meet us in Washington Square at 6 p.m. Ooh la la. Yeah. Thank you, Susie. And the, to the, the artwork, I mean, is, is just a bit. So uh, anybody that's, you know, in the Monero community for quite some time probably recognizes some of this imagery. So that was done by Siddhartha. I hit him up uh, like two days ago. He loved the concept and he worked on this diligently for like 48 hours. I think it's. <laughs> it's, a, it's really beautiful. It's amazing. Um, it's great. Uh, yeah. So we'll. we'll We'll print those out and poster size. Maybe we'll try to get some of them up Doug around, will be going around, around New the York city, city if we can. Douglas. We'll see what yeah. we can can get away with. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, we'll have some of them at the event. We'll, you know, sell them or whatever for Monero. That's it, guys. We'd love to hear community's feedback on that. We could talk about it as we proceed. Someone says it looks great. All right. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> and then, like I said, New York itself during that time, it's just an amazing time yeah, to be in New York. If you haven't been in new york during yeah it's the, the the start of like the holiday season yeah and li liberty's in the air with halloween right everybody's in costume they're em embracing you, you know that i don't know if they realize why they feel so free and i think part of it is because it's a day when you can freely express yourself kind of separate yourself from your from your true identity and there's freedom and liberty in that and that's part of what we're, we're trying to fight for we think people should have the ability to do that essentially on a on a daily basis so yeah should be cool should be cool and well let's uh we'll we'll bring up the topic later when we have people on stage sounds like a plan let's move on to the let's price report let's do price report all right the monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by local monero avoid using kyc exchanges buy and sell monero directly for fiat peer-to-peer Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's having a great weekend to begin with. This is the price report number 31. I'm going to have some interesting analysis in this one. The very first of which is the follow-up from the last week's technical price report that I had. And the second one is some interesting events that occurred in the last couple of days in the network and my analysis of that. So let us dive first straight into the what I had presented the previous time regarding the price movements so well i had indicated that about you know about this point which happens to be about august 16th which is a couple of days from now there is likely to be a breakout because when we breach this particular line that we have when we breach this particular technical line that we have we have a breakout to the upside that is what i was expecting it's, it's already played out that way we this breakout line was about 23,000 and last week we were trading around 22,000 levels and we did touch, we did breach above this and we also see daily close. So if we come to the weekly charts, we don't, we don't have a weekly close yet above this particular level. So I'll be waiting and watching on that. Also to note, the this is the hash ribbon for the miners and the hash ribbon has been turning out to be positive. And I had in, indicated before that there are two logical scenarios that can play out. Should Bitcoin go towards 30,000, the miners who had, who were on the brink of capitulation, they will take this as an opportunity to sell their stash so as to sit in cash. Or if there is really, you know, we are really coming out of the bear zone, then they will take it as an op opportunity to actually not sell it and accumulate it. So if we move back to the daily zone, this is also pretty clear that the health is coming back. This usually, historically, this, whenever this happens, it's always, you know, when it turns around, it turns into a, a greenish territory. It doesn't really go back down again. 
So this is hopeful that this is going to turn into green in the coming days. And having said this, now if I superimpose this into something called the BitMEX funding rate, funding rate is basically when traders take position either long or short. So the longs pay the short for holding their position and shorts pay the longs uh, a fee to holding position. So that is what kind of dictates also the direction of the markets. And what happens, let's say during, during a, a bear phase is that the funding rate tends towards negative and it slowly creeps towards a positive territory. And we've seen this time and again play out. And even in the in the previous year when we had like a you know a, a kind of a peak before the next major peak in November, the funding rate was negative and slowly creeps to the positive territory. And this is the same kind of pattern where we capitulated about in 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 May, somewhere around that first time. The funding rate started reducing, and then we have started going, you know, going back up towards the positive territory. And usually, whenever this happens, guys, there is a high probability of us with a large breakout, and usually large breakout to the upside. So, what I am, what my thinking is based on the chart patterns, is like we we're going to have some kind of explosive move in the coming days, likely to the upside. Based on the data that I'm seeing, I'm seeing that there is a high chance of an explosive move to the upside. And what is the target there? I think the very first target will be 30,000 and if that crosses, it's going to be, uh, it's going to go up higher. And the next in line is the event that transpired uh, the day before and yesterday. We saw the transactions reaching 61,000 transactions in a day, making it the all-time highs in money history. Before anything, I would like to just touch upon the concept that I understand about how the whole thing happened and what probably might have transpired. So whenever a user in a, in a wallet from your wallet, you send a transaction, it goes into something called the transaction pool. I understood as a memory pool, but I think Hemos had uh, corrected me there. So this gets into a transaction pool where the, it's like a waiting room for the transactions, right? They, they keep waiting and there's no upper limit for really the, the transaction pool. So transaction can just wait here. And then it gets mined, it just picks up, picked up by a miner into a block you know, like in the blockchain. So they get picked up every two minutes, a, a block is mined and this gets filled up with the transactions. Just for perspective, each transaction is about 1.9 kilobyte on average. It can be less, it can be more. Therefore, the how many transactions can fit into a block? The block has a size of 300 kilobyte. That's at least until the previous version. I don't know what's in, in the current version, but I think it remains the same. I will come up on that. So we can fit about 160 to 200 transactions in a, in a block. That's what is seen. And what happened yesterday is that the transaction pool, uh, just transaction pool was filled up with about 200, 2,200 trans, transactions waiting in the waiting room. And you could see that in the transaction street that currently the memory pool count, as they say, or transaction pool is about sitting at 10 and 12. And that's usually the average case. Uh, I don't see it exceed beyond 100, 200. So what happened, let me just clear this guy up. So what happened yesterday is the, so all the blocks started getting filled up until 300 kilobyte. And the, the reason the miners are not able to add more than 300 kilobyte is so, you know, if they can add more transaction and each transaction has a fees, they can earn more, right? But for each block that is mined, they get the block reward of 0.6 XMR, 
per block, which is the tail emission, which is constant, plus the, the set of transaction fees. So if you are the miner who binds a block, you would get this plus the transaction fees. And what happens if, if you can, you know, if, if it, if you are, you're allowed to exceed 300 kilobyte, you know, may, maybe make it 350 kilobyte, but then the reward of 0.6 XMR per block that gets reduced proportionately. So let's say you start getting 0.5 XMR. But if, if you can find those transactions in the memory, in the transaction pool, which can compensate such that you can get more than 0.6 XMR per block, then why not? They can do that, but it's kind of hard to do that. So they don't do that. So the block started getting filled up until with 300 kilobytes per transaction for about 100 block. And what happens is when the transactions are filled for up to 100 blocks, something called the dynamic block sizing kicks in. So if the average of last 100 blocks is greater than or equal to 300 kilobytes, this revoking of a reward per block is removed. So they can extend, expand up to, somebody can correct me here, up to 600 kilobytes. And that is when exactly transaction, more transactions started getting included in the block and the, the, the transaction pool started getting cleared up. The waiting room started getting cleared up. And I think this, this happened for a period of two to three hours when people were not able to send transactions from their wallet. They had to pay higher fees, of course. And I think that is what I, you can see it from this particular list. Yes, day before yesterday, all the, uh, you know, it was 300 kilobyte plus, and I think it was at some point 3.310 kilobytes, dynamic size, block sizing kicked in, I think practically for the very first time. So there were like some good takeaways that happened. It was a great set, stress tester for the network, what happened. And I think it was also quite exciting because we see, I see the block size increase here. So this is how I see the things played out. It was a testing time for all of us in the, in the ecosystem. And um, I, interestingly enough, I think MineXMR, people thought that MineXMR might have sent that. It could be possible that they send batch transaction, but it looked a little uh, strange to some of us that you know they would just send so many transactions on the last day. So that looked very, very strange to me. However, I think that is all I wanted to discuss from this price report. Yes, on the last part, the uh, XMR USDT, I think the, the head and shoulder is in, still in play with a lower bound of $135 to higher bound of $180. Let's stick to, still stick to that. We have to break up above 180 with higher volumes. That is all from my side. I hope you all have a great weekend ahead. Ciao. Hello. How's it going, people? Because, you know. <laughs> all right, we lost it. Don't worry. Let me put it back. Okay. It's fine. He was finishing up. Yeah, yeah. But I think they could still hear us. Sorry about that. That was my fault. People. No worries, guys. Hello, hello. Can you guys still hear us? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. So All I right, guess you want to... Yeah, let's jump to the news report. We had Coney's uh, not going to make it today, so I'm just going to quickly go through some topics. Uh, just We kind of covered everything already a little bit. Just a tremendous week in Monero news, actually. And now for our weekly news segment. All righty. Let's get some of these up there. We've kind of touched on all of them already, but let's let's do a quick recap, and then we'll have people that want to come up from the audience. We could talk about all these juicy topics. Full screen, so I can yeah, see. Yeah, already full screen. Monero hit over sixty-one thousand transactions. This was, I think, a day or two ago. So, new all-time high in terms of transactions. 
Obviously, that's just exciting to see Monero continuing to make new all-time highs in terms of transaction account. This we always say it on this show. This is the number go up that matters. So very exciting news there. Monero adoption is seemingly growing by proof of the fact that it's increasing in transaction count. Maybe uh, you know they will continue to see new all-time highs. I'm sure we will. Next story: U.S. Treasury adds Ethereum privacy tool Tornado Cash to its sanctions list. We went over this. Uh, all the reasons why. We should be concerned. Obviously, we're, we're building uh, quote unquote unstoppable tech that's supposed to be resistant to these types of things. You know, we're not here to ask permission. We're building technology that's just going to work, and you know, we believe it's it's going to improve the world. So we're not we're not here to ask any state for permission as to whether or not this technology should exist. Those of us that that use it, well, I can't speak for any everybody, but I, I certainly believe it, it's it's something that is ethically uh, sound and something that we should proudly support and use. And the fact that governments are trying to stop it is concerning, concerning because they can make it difficult for us, and uh, they can, you know, politically persuade the populace into believing that these tools aren't ethically sound. You know, they're going to point out the negative use cases for these tools. They're going to say these things can be used to fund terrorism. These things can be used for money laundering while ignoring all the positive. And it's concerning to see that governments are now starting to take real action in terms of trying to stop these things and to the degree where they're, you know, essentially breaking the law. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're taking action that does not align with the ideals uh, of this country, the United States. Uh, we have something called the Constitution. And I personally believe these actions have uh, breached some of the main principles of the Constitution. Next story. Uh, uh, the the developer of Tornado Cash was recently arrested. I don't know many details other than the headline. Uh, I don't think this aspect is as in, important or relevant as the fact that they've essentially not sanctioned a piece of software. That's the, the, the more concerning part of this story. But they did take additional action and they arrested the developer. What he's being accused of, what he, you know, what they're, you know, what he's done, nobody knows yet. But that that's an additional additional action that was taken by the government against Tornado Cash. Today the mine XMR pool is shutting down. So this was this is old news. Uh, I believe it's it's been shut down at this point. They've I've I'll you know maybe somebody could come up and who has more knowledge on this topic and we could talk about you know something I want to bring up to Seth as well. I'm curious how how it all played out where most of the uh, mining hash power moved to. I know there were, we were hoping that they would move to P2 pool. I think a significant chunk did move there, but a lot of them just moved to other, uh, you know, other pools. So uh, they did shut down. Overall, it's good for the ecosystem. It gets rid of a, a pool that was too large, that was constantly nearing 51%, and it slowly edges and pushes people into the more decentralized version, which is P2 pool. So Good news. Also part of the Tornado Cash story, in addition to the government sanctioning Tornado Cash itself, arresting one of the devs, they shut down the GitHub account of Tornado Cash. They deleted it. Concerning to see. Uh, if anything, it should be ringing alarms to the Monero community as to the fact that we're going to have to be 
cognizant of, of, of these types of actions and prepare for them. Main, main comment is interesting. In addition to removing tornado cash repositories and accounts of many project contributors, uh, of GitHub also removed. So basically, the concern, the concern that this main comment was making is, uh, you know, not only did they remove the tornado cash repository, but they also then removed the accounts associated with the devs that contributed to uh, the tornado cash repository. So devs becoming concerned that, you know, if they contribute to the Monero GitHub and if that were removed, would it then affect all their other, you know, contributions that they're making to other projects and other and other GitHub repositories that they host. And Celsta commented that there's other ways to uh, essentially, you know, make commits to the project, not through GitHub. Um, you could do it through IRC. And uh, he goes into detail on how that's been done in the past for devs that wanted to really stay anonymous and not even touch a GitHub account. So it, it's promising. It, it's it's always exciting to see that you know uh, the, the the people that are you know most essential to this project are a few steps ahead and thinking about how to make it unstoppable. Then, you know, they also mentioned, you know, in the worst case scenario where the Monero GitHub is taken down, what would happen? And Celsius said, we would simply push the repository somewhere else. Git is distributed. So Git being an another repository, Git is distributed by design. So changing the remote location takes one second to configure. So uh, while it is extremely concerning that the government took this action, and deleted these repositories. Uh, there, where there is a will, there's a way. The Monero community is distributed and strong, and it will just pop up somewhere else and continue, continue to move along. And we spoke about this. Congratulations on a su successful network upgrade. The Monero protocol upgraded. Ring size went from 11 to six, 16. We added Bulletproof Plus, and we now have view tags. So. A lot, a lot of good positive news for Monero, a lot of uh, exciting news for better or worse in terms of uh, the fight for privacy. And it was a big week, which is why we decided to jump on the spot being <laughs> on vacation. Uh, but I say we now, we now take, it to, take it to the audience. Hopefully we'll get some people to jump up. Otherwise, we'll, we'll head to the beach. We'll, call, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll no, move I, on I with our day. Jump up. I'd like to talk about some of these some of these larger news events, okay. uh, get some feedback on, on the event we're looking to throw in New York City. All right, let's get to it, my friend. It's the Viewers on Stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Hello. We have one person on. How do you do? Hello. How's it going? I don't know if you can hear me. Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Okay, good, 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 good. I, I thought there was something wrong with my mic earlier. Nope. Uh, yeah, if you want to just quickly introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm offering XMR. You guys probably know me from Matrix, Twitter, whatever. How's it going, man? How's it going? How's it going? Um, the one thing I just wanted to say was uh, the Mine XMR pool. They actually like a couple hours before before they were supposed to shut down. They updated their page to say they're not going to shut down for another week. So they're shutting down on the 19th. Oh, okay. Mm, we okay. didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's last minute news. Have you been watching it closely in terms of where the hashing power is, uh, is going? 
I haven't looked at it today, but I was watching it all night last night, and it was staying around 170 mega hash. It wasn't really moving too much. We lost a, a few pools during the fork on some weird bugs, but a bunch of them came back online, like Hero Miners. Yeah, there, there was a few different pools. Um, I'm not sure if XMR Fast is back online, but they had they had a good amount. They had a couple mega hash. And did we see uh, a nice uptick in P2 pool? Had, were people moving over there? Over the past week or so, it doubled. It, it doubled about, but over the last day, it's been flat. Okay, well, good. Good to see. Good to see people moving yeah, over. Yeah. And uh, I guess that was a smart move to extend the time a little bit, especially given that it was happening in tandem with the Monero upgrade, right? Yeah, and there were still six thousand miners on the pool. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that would have that would have disconnected six thousand people all at once. Oh, yeah, yeah. If those are people. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. Because they they could just be kind of mining bots, right? Yeah. Yep. Awesome, man. Uh, who else we got here? We have Gone Bad Fire. Hello. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just uh, just wanted to hop on. Yeah. Um, Mine XMR shutting down uh, turning out great for decentralization. So that's good. Future pool sitting at uh, six six percent of the of the network. So. That's great. Yeah, that's huge. What do you guys think of the tornado cash incident? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that, that's a it's a tough one because it's yeah, it's because well, the, the the thing is it's like on one hand it's one of those well you should have used XMR type of thing because it's a tool on a public blockchain you're going out of your way to hide the fact you're doing something which puts a target on your back so. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to pay a lot of fees to use it. So it's like anybody using Tornado Cash spent a lot of money to hide their money, which is kind of, you know what I mean? Right. You mean they're, they're, they're opting into a privacy tool where they're basically... And paying for it. Right. Yeah, instead of using something. That's... Where they're, they're kind instead of... of instead of something, jumping, something that's just private by default and <laughs> uh, private by, by coincidence. You know what I mean? Like using Monero doesn't mean you want the privacy. It's just cheap to use, fast to use, and easy to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also have... Using Tornado Cash means... Yeah. Uh, sure. No, the, uh, on Ethereum, you also had the, the consequences of uh, non-fungibility. So, uh, for example, they say, well, this... Uh, hackers for from this certain this certain hack went through tornado cash and so they start to differentiate uh people and uh yeah that's a huge issue where in monero if you want to attack monero you have to attack everyone at once so i think yeah. that's a that's a one of one of our greatest properties yeah, definitely, you know, privacy by default on the protocol layer. We're all big fans of that for you know, for the right reasons. Uh, but yeah. what do you think of, you know, in terms of the legalities of it and what this means for Monero, concern that states may take action against Monero itself, whether or not they're justified? Do you think this could, you know, it's a slippery slope. And if they're going to go after something like Tornado Cash, is Monero potentially in the crosshairs? Well, that's where I think is when it comes to the, like tornado cash, you know, like I'm saying, you got to go out of your way to try to commit a crime. If, if you're committing crimes on tornado cash, you actually had to go out of your way to do it, mm-hmm. which is like the people that created it had to go out of their way to create a profile, a protocol for somebody to go out of their way to, to commit crimes, which is 
like in Monero, that's not what we're doing. So if you're looking at the Monero developers, there's no Monero governance token. There's no 30% to the, to the developing team. There's no like special, you know what I mean? There's, there's nothing to target the developers over on trying to make money. They're trying to profit off of crime. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think the Monero developers are in as big of a target because they're just making good product. They're not trying to tailor it to anybody. It's just money where with tornado cash, you're not going to use tornado cash. If you know I mean, these fees are expensive enough. Using tornado cash means you, you, you have some money that you're trying to hide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a slippery slope there, right? Cause people, the, people yeah. could, could potentially make that, you know, people have made that argument with Monero. Obviously I, I totally agree with what you're saying. The fact that it's private by default, you know, it makes it, it even to compare it to lightning, lightning is cheap. So for people that opt into privacy on Lightning, but even Giacomo was saying this, if you opt into privacy on Lightning, it doesn't look that malicious because you didn't spend outrageous amounts of money to do it. You might only be using Lightning because it's cheaper. Where with Tornado Cash, there's, you don't have that argument. You, you created a whole protocol and people, everybody that uses it uses it because they're trying to get away from what, you know what I mean? Like they don't like their base protocol. They're not doing it for, for speed, for, for cheaper fees, for anything else other than the privacy aspect. Where with Monero, Monero is like, I use Monero over Bitcoin, not just because of privacy, but because transactions are faster. I can run my own node easier. There's a, there's a million different reasons I use Monero that has nothing to do with privacy. Yeah, no, uh, uh, amazing. Yeah, fungibility. I, I agree with all of them. I guess the only concern is governments take action and then ask questions later, you know, <laughs> or, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they don't really care. They don't yeah, really yeah. seem to be respecting the, the constitution or, 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 you know, necessarily looking at the details of the situation, they're just taking broad sweeping actions and, uh, you know, and then we're trying, we have to try to figure it out after the fact. So my concern is that, you know, do we, do they, do they take some kind of broad sweeping action that that's sweeps up Monero as well? And then we have to, you know, prove all these points, make all these arguments after the fact. Yeah, I think that Monero has uh, these stronger arguments uh, that won't prevent uh, the government from from going after it, but it will expose them. So uh, they can make a, a catchy narrative about terrorism and whatever. If they want to go after Monero, they have to be they have to show like the population that they really don't want you to have privacy. So that's going to cost to them. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I've, I've said on Twitter before that one thing I, I look at Monero with, Monero came out in 2014. What happened right before Monero came out was the big the, uh, encryption by default fight. When, we, for, when, when everything used to be HTTP, devices used to be unencrypted by default, and then Apple had that big fight where privacy became okay. So for them to come after Monero, they, they basically have to say that HTTPS isn't okay. The encryption on your phone is not okay. Anything that's private by default shouldn't, you know what I mean? Because nobody uses their phone with encryption on because they're trying to hide something. It's just enabled by default. That's just how it is. Right. You're not, you're not. So, yeah, you're it's not, not, it's not, op, you're, not op, you're not opting into privacy. You're just using the tool as it was designed. Right. Hi, uh, hi me. You want to? Hey, yeah. I, uh, I wanted to ask if, because did the guy in the in Amsterdam that got arrested, are we sure that he might not have gotten arrested for something else? Yeah, it's, it certainly, it's certainly possible. I think it's weird because I, I put out some tweets and people were like, 
like concentrating more on that part. You know, that that side of it doesn't really uh, doesn't really interest me at this point. I mean, because, yeah, we don't we don't really know the details of that. We don't know what he was arrested for. We don't know what he's being accused of. At least I don't. I don't know if anybody has details on it. But the fact is, ignore, ignoring all that, what we do know is that the U.S. government, the Treasury Department, sanctioned a open source protocol that's self-running. Hey, that's that's where the alarm bells went off. They've tried to ban Bitcoin in China before in similar ways just by like saying that it's banned. But there's it's just it's so hard to actually enforce anything that they haven't actually done any enforcement, really, most of the time. Yeah. No, I know, but I, I don't live in China. I live in the United States, <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to live in a version of the United States where essentially they're allowed allowed to take actions like this that reduce everybody's liberty in this country in, in one felt swoop, without any process, without any due process. You know, we woke up one day, and I don't use Tornado Cash. I'm not interested in it. I'm a I'm a Monero user, but there are a lot of people that do use it. And, you know, overnight, their their liberties were taken away and their ability to transact privately. That's that's very concerning to me. And it's, you know, it shows that they're capable of taking other actions. I don't know. Does anybody have any details on the arrest? Yeah, no, um, yeah. I feel like people were conflating, conflating those two issues. I saw arguments taking place, you know, online on, on Twitter with regards yeah. to one versus the other. They're two completely separate incidents. You know, people making arguments that, like, well, sometimes the government needs to do what it needs to do for national security reasons. You know, I think that that becomes a dangerous thing. And so conflating it, let's say this guy was a terrorist or supporting terrorism. Sure. Pinpoint action going after him. But don't jumble within that the fact that they also shut down and sanctioned open source software. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think there's really ever any justification for that because if you're eight if a government's able to do that then what else are we going to allow them to do in terms of our civil liberties and you know yeah. uh, we we need to keep we need to keep people safe national security is important obviously very important but uh fundamentally we we want to live in a free and open society and if we erode the ability of people to communicate without censorship, if we get rid of free speech, uh, we're going to have much bigger problems. Yeah, I mean, uh, what Seth say it's great about if they are resorting to these kind of extreme measures, uh, it's because they are running out of, of options. So that's interesting. Uh, that means that uh, we actually are concerning them in the sense that we can defend ourselves and our rights. What do you What do you guys think of this little event we're trying to put together? In New York City, you think it's, you know, I, I know we're going to get pushback from, you know, with anything we do in the Monero community. You have those <laughs> that support you, those that don't, those that are just trolls that are actually supporting other projects, but come in and try to pretend that they're Monero people, but they really just want to sabotage the community. I, I think, how you really <laughs> I mean, because it's quite obvious when you see some of the comments, but I think, you know, with this, I'm, I'm curious where Monero people will stand. I think you'll have those that say... I uh, why are you even doing this? It's just about it's about the code. It's not about asking governments for permission. I think I, I think you should invite Ethereum guys. Yeah, yeah, that's because because yeah. like you're saying, yeah. the the Monero guys all know it's about the code, and like you know, when they try to ban Monero, the whole world needs to pay attention to what they're doing. You know what I mean? But with with the Ethereum guys, they need to you know they need to learn that using a semi-private protocol where there's guys getting 30% of all the money that gets made off the protocol, whether it's Zcash or Tornado Cash, 
that's not money. And you might get in trouble for that. <laughs> like it's like, and that's, that's why I think the government is using whatever loopholes they can use to try to, to try to sanction the tool or in the person and arrest the person for things not related to the code specifically. And I think they're doing it more because of like, like I was saying before, the intentions behind the code, which you can draw conclusions to because Ethereum already works Like to create a tool on top of it that costs extra money to use that you're making money off of. And, you purposely don't do any vetting of the people that you're like, it, you know what I mean? And we all know it's not fungible. So when you receive a transaction from tornado cash, whether it's to your DYDX DeFi account, they can freeze your account under sanction rules. Yeah, I so agree. But, but it is scary because it is, it is a push forward, right? It's not blender. What yeah. was it? Blender.io, which was clearly a centralized mixer, right? Uh, this is yeah, yeah. much more open source and self-running. It had it had yeah. a centralized component that interfaced with it. But, but that's why I point to DYDX. Is DYDX is supposed to be a, a decentralized DeFi futures exchange, but they're banning Tornado Cash deposits, and they're doing the same thing as Tornado Cash. They're letting you trade futures without any ID, without following the U.S. laws, and all this other nonsense. Like you know what I mean, like DYDX is going to get in just as much trouble as, as Tornado Cash is for. For, for for supporting tax evasion. Like, I, I don't understand how DeFi is supposed to work when it's all not fungible. Like, it's, you know what I mean? That's why I'm saying you should probably invite the Ethereum guys over because it, and they, like, you know, if you want to make private transactions, you should be doing it in a private by default coin that, that doesn't have some sort of target painted on it. Yeah. But, no, no. Yeah, right now you have people on Ethereum getting dust attacked by uh, Tornado Cash funds. And so when they get those attacked, uh, they yep. can transact with the rest of DeFi. So that's yep. that's something that if if it just were fungible by default, it will all be much simpler. Well, these, these dust attacks are interesting because they're proving a point too, right? So they're proving a point to, to the government that, all right, so if you're saying anybody that interacts with it is essentially, you know, Breaking breaking a law because it's strict liability with regards to saying then you know then this person that received 0.01 cent from this wallet is, has broken the law and it shows how how ridiculous it is to to sanction something in this way where they're not sanctioning an individual they're not sanctioning a corporation they're sanctioning a tool they're sanctioning a, p a piece of technology and then that that's why the alarm like we can you know we can get into the nitty-gritty of, of what how monero is then even a step further away it's even more tool-like it's argue that's essentially what the argument comes down to right is yeah. that it really is just a utility that's used for communication not used yeah. for washing your money but it's used for it is money and it's used for communicating value, but it's, it's a slippery slope. If the government's going to do it with tornado cash, jumping from there to something like Monero, while I, I totally agree and understand all your points, they, we may see them try to make that leap. And so I, well, that's, I, why I think, and that's why I think it's important to fight back now. Right. So yeah. they, they, shots were fired that they, they gained ground, right. They gained ground. They, they pushed, they push the ball further into into our territory, saying, you know, this is this is what we we now consider legal and illegal, and it, it encroached on uh, people's civil liberties. It encroached on their ability to to use these tools, and so I think it's important to fight back now and not let them gain any further ground 
into this territory as opposed to, to waiting and seeing what they eventually do with something like Monero. And like you said, getting, getting the Ethereum people involved would probably be a, a really good idea. Yeah, because it wouldn't, it would be good for them. Like, number one, good for them. Like, that, because that's why I say Monero community is honest. I'm not telling mm-hmm. Ethereum guys, skip Tornado Cash, use Monero, and don't just b- wash your ETH in Monero. I mean, like, stop spending ETH. It's not, it's not economically viable. <laughs> like, use Monero. <laughs> yeah, just use Monero for all your purchases. Use ETH when you're buying NFTs or whatever it is you do on ETH. Like, don't use ETH to make purchases at $6 a purchase or $70 a purchase. Like that's, that's crazy, you know? And on, and when you do that, you're going to end up with all the, all the privacy you wanted from tornado cash with none of the, none of the accusations of why you're using tornado cash. And somebody said, you have ETH from tornado cash. You can't send that to anybody right now. Somebody saying yeah. yeah. found a constitutional uh, lawyer to file, to file a complaint. Yeah. That should totally be done. Hopefully we'll, we'll see coin center do that. Hopefully uh, we'll see them step up, take action, you know, before, you know, before they gain gain more ground. Anybody else want to jump up on stage, talk about any of these topics? The important thing to me is that for the first time, like for the past 100 years, uh, governments have been doing nothing but just expanding and just there was uh, nothing to, to stop them, right? And so the fact that we now have tools that not just Monero, but all uh, cypherpunks uh, tools, we now have a way to put a, a stop to them to tell them, hey, we, we don't want this. I think that's really powerful and they're feeling threatened. Definitely. We're gonna we're putting the uh the flyer back up. Yeah, I, I wish I, I could go to, to Washington. But uh I think Oh no, not Washington. We're doing Washington in New York. Yeah. In Washington <laughs> Square Park. Oh, oh. It's on, it's it's on, New York it's on Halloween in New York. So it's a day when there's already going to be a lot. Uh, that's a very popular area for Halloween in New York City. But, you know, it's not like we're going to have thousands of people show up to this. You know, if we have a few hundred. And uh, I think we can make a, a strong, you know, a strong point. Maybe maybe we can get the Ethereum community involved. It'd be interesting to see if they uh, be interested in participating in this. And uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it's something that, that needs to be done at this point. Washington, yeah. going down to Washington itself would be the would be the next step. All right. But I do think there's going to be people, you know, in the Monero community that you know are, don't really necessarily see this as something we should be doing. We should just you know keep our heads down, keep developing, I- ignore you know states' responses to the technology, and just build something that's unstoppable. Like I said, while I, while I one thousand percent agree with that, I think it's important to to fight on all fronts. And I think the political front is an important one and gets us to the finish line faster. Anybody right. uh, Anybody else jump up? We got anybody Any else? final words? No, yeah, yeah, I agree. We, we should fight on all fronts. I, I, I can have grown, you know, well, I'm Argentinian, so uh, the, um, the political ground, it's going to be a disappointment to me, like to hope my whole life. But uh, in the U.S., uh, the Constitution is it's, uh, way more respected. So uh, that's something important that I, I wouldn't want uh, a country to, to lose that. Totally agree. Somebody says, looks like you're down at the Jersey Shore. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're, we're not going to give in... you away our location. <laughs> in a remote island. Not really. Similar to the Jersey Shore. But, but not, not really. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so I guess uh, it is beautiful out here. It is gorgeous. But um, what do, what I do guess... you get? Wait, before before you wrap up, I'm going to open up a whole. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. Uh, what 
you know, one, one of the things that uh, I'm finding is controversial is this idea that money, money is speech. You guys, you guys have a response to that. I think most people in crypto would agree that code is speech. Money is speech seems to be a slightly more controversial topic. Curious. For, for, is, your for, for money is speech, I would say like because it's in the States, you're supposed to have the right to vote and the right to donate to your political party and whatever else. If you don't have the right to spend your money, like say, for example, there's a political campaign going on and they just froze your whole Ethereum account because somebody sent you some dust, then they're censoring your vote. So I don't, I don't, I don't, the whole money is speech thing. That sounds like it to me, that comes from the Bitcoin maxis that keep changing the narrative. Like, oh, Bitcoin is money. Bitcoin is gold. Bitcoin is speech. Now Bitcoin is an NFT. I'm like, I don't even know what Bitcoin is anymore. But yeah, I think as far as the ability to have and spend your money without being censored is, is speech. Like that should not speech, but that is your right. That's not like your legal right to be able to, to transact in the economy. And I'm pretty sure it's in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or whatever that says, you know, you have the right to, to prosperity, you know, so to tell somebody that they can't spend their money when they didn't commit any crimes. Or that's Yeah, I think the market is a big uh, voting system. And so when you when you harm to people's ability to vote or decide what they want to do with their lives, so in regards to, to just buying whatever they want or supporting the causes, the causes they want. Uh, yeah, I see that as a violation of free speech and, and liberty. Totally agree, guys. Totally yeah. agree. You might not even call I, it I, speech. I, you might just call it censorship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to call Monero free speech money. I do I do think money is speech. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a form of speech. It's a, it's a way to express yourself in the world. And it's, in some ways, it's it's more indicative of what, what speech stands for. Uh, speech is really, you know, it's the ability to express yourself to society. And money allows you to do that sometimes in ways that are, are more powerful than, than the spoken word or other forms of representation, you know, yeah. where, where, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Right. So pe people or talk shit with your wallet, day, but, but what they do with their money is, is what they, is what they really mean and stand for in, in many. Right. Many it's kind of like, right. you know, if prices are too high at the store, you could either go and keep paying them or people can vote with their wallet. And then, you know what I mean? You got to lower the price if nobody's buying. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's where, you know, you could pick it and pick it and pick it all you want, but until you stop donating to your political candidate, they're not going to do what you want. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. For me, it all boils down to what the purpose is, you know, why, why we protect free speech so vehemently in this country. And it really is for political reasons, right? It's for, yeah. for the free flow of ideas and information so that, you know, we can live in a free and open society. And that so essentially it's so uh, tyrannical yeah. control can't, can't, can't take hold. You erode free speech, you erode the ability of, of the populace to always, you know, kind of beat a tyrant. And uh, money is one of the tools that, that people use for the for those purposes. And that's where with Monero being able to mine it on anything from a cell phone or an Android TV or whatever, all the way up to a server, everybody can have a vote. Exactly. Not everybody, but just about everybody can have a vote, even if you're underage. <laughs> you know, there's 13, 14 year olds with cell phones. I know. Got a writing code. I didn't stop you.
my my little niece has you know is I introduced her to the fact that you can now buy gift cards and obviously with cake wallet. So she she's considering using the Monero that I gave her a year a few years ago for that purpose. Whether or not she should spend her Monero or hold it. Is <laughs> Justin Justin? I don't know who we got. Hello. Hi, it's Justin Justin. Justin, what's going That's on? Crazy. <laughs> We're just talking about cake. Uh, not much. Just want to celebrate the Monero network upgrade. Oh, yeah. What are your comments? Go ahead. Well, it went pretty smoothly. There's an issue with, what, 50 transactions or something that uh, people just needed to resend or something. But overall, it went, it went quite smoothly. I was celebrating yesterday from the beach. <laughs> so 50 uh, transactions got dropped from the TX pool because they were broadcast using fees that were too low right before the hard close. Yeah, I think looking ahead, that should have been accounted for better. There was some dropped logic. There's a yeah, reason yeah. Monero did a dual hard fork setup, so... Basically, one enables features and one removes the old ones in, in an easy-to-understand way. And for the window, it should have accepted the old transactions as well with the lower fees. But, yeah. oh, well, I guess. Yeah. yeah, they were saying it was hard to test because Testnet and StageNet don't have as many transactions. So it it looked like it was working. But it, you know, having 50 transactions in the mempool at the fork was a little bit different than what was tested on, on Testnet. Because the Justin, fees were different, the average fee. Justin, I know there were no issues with 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 Cake or Monero.com in terms of the you know the upgrade. Um, so some exchanges still have pause withdrawals, so they're not they're not out of the woods yet. For uh, wallets, Motorio put out their updates after the fork, so they had a beta that was available for the during the fork, but there were a few hours before they pushed out the actual update to everybody. So check on that if you're there or if you use them. But overall, I'd say that you know the vast majority of people had an opportunity to upgrade in advance and have no downtime. So we'll we'll have to see how long it takes for some of the exchanges to re-enable withdrawals. But it, you know, if I ran an exchange, I would at least understand stopping withdrawals while the hard forks are happening and then turning them on right after once you know that the network's stable. But we'll we'll have to see how long some of these people take. Awesome, right. Justin. Why we got you before we leave? What 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 is your turn? tornado cash take and you know with regards to how it may or may not affect something like Monero um I think it's a worrying step I think I, I think there's another step well, another step or several steps that would need to go against Monero in order for it to really start to affect Monero if you're if they're trying to go after tools you know it's one thing to blacklist an address for example compared to which is what you would use for the smart contract for an opt-in tool and then you could start saying, okay, well, we're going to start trying to block certain types of address formats or something. And then you're trying to block entire networks. So it's, it's, it, I think it's a step in the wrong direction, but there are still several additional protections based on how Monero is designed that make it harder to impose certain types of regs as well. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's worrying. The, the real thing I'm most worried about is this being seen by developers as an attack on privacy and governments basically saying, no, you can't write, you can't develop privacy tools and scaring talent away because that's just horrible. So I, I, I've seen that happen already in the past and I'm, I hope that doesn't really continue. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird situation as, re, as re, relates to the arrest of the lead developer. It's too early to say. We don't really know what they were arrested for. It could be for something that was unrelated. I really don't know. It, it could be for them 
facilitating illicit transactions directly to use Tornado or something, it it's too early to say. But if it is truly for just, hey, you wrote this code, then that is problematic. But it's too, we don't know. So it's anybody's best guess for that right now. But it's I would say, I mean, I'm too young to have lived through it. But there are lots of people who are in cryptocurrency today who lived through the original encryption wars where the U.S. governments and other governments were trying to ban encryption, ban math, ban cryptography. And ultimately that failed. And it was through a lot of efforts to keep pushing that technology forward and making that available to people. I mean, it took, it took a long time before people sort of accepted that as normal. And we might need to go through a similar thing with cryptocurrencies, but that's already to some extent already happened. It's just, it's not, you know, the idea of having a war over development for privacy tools is not new. <laughs> that's something that's that's been going on for a while. Did you did you see this event we're looking to to throw on Halloween? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. All right, we'll th- we'll throw it up. Check it out. Can you see it? Yes, it's uh, anonymously assemble, unite to fight a right to privacy, Washington Square. Interesting. What do you think? Washington Square Park in New York City. Yeah, I think not, people not, are getting yeah, yeah, add that. Oh, okay. <laughs> people keep thinking it's Washington, no, Washington Square Park in Manhattan, New York. <laughs> <laughs> I know Washington. Where is everyone? You know, we, we think we think this is you know the right time to do something like this for all the reasons you're talking about too, right? So like. We got, we got to start normalizing privacy, privacy tech. I think the only way that happens is by, you know, getting these ideas out there and convincing populace. I mean, the idea was even something that was talked at the compliance panel at Minerotopia. So people threw around, what are the panels threw around the idea of, uh, was it responsible development or something along those lines, which... I mean, in theory, sure, that's a lovely buzzword. I mean, everyone wants developers to be ethical in some eyes or whatever. But the problem is, like, in the past, people thought encryption development was unethical, right? And and now people think that that's, like, actually a very useful tool to the world. And, and same with cryptocurrencies, where you'd be like, oh, well, this is a privacy thing, so it's unethical. I mean, it's it's just a different lens for the same sort of, of test. So uh, it's... This is something that's been stewing in the compliance world for a while. And it's, it's because they're losing grips over how people transact and they're trying to figure out how to retain access to some more information they could get through financial intermediaries. And they're going to, they're going to mess they're, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be a bunch of misses. And it, for every miss that happens in the U.S., it's obviously going to be especially hurtful because it's a large country. But, you know, I, I fully expect us to have several other misses. In, in the future and it, it just sucks so you were at the new york city we didn't even talk about that yeah then the new york city meetup this uh, past tuesday that was a great time yes it was uh you you think we could get uh most of those people to show up to this this type of event what do you think justin um i hope so <laughs> i definitely would hope so if you didn't work with a lot of the other privacy groups right. now I, I think you might have some so i i had a twitter space friday with a few members, it was just Monero focused. It was from the, it was hosted from the Monero Twitter. And we got a decent number of people show up. You know, there are a few thousand people that listened over the whole course of the, the event that went on for a few hours. But the sad truth is that was a very small number compared to people who are listening to a broader privacy, privacy and cryptocurrency conversation that was happening 
mm-hmm. at around the same time that had uh, you know VC backing. You know, that they hadn't launched. They were just working on uh, you know separate cryptocurrency projects that hasn't launched yet. And they got a lot of people to listen into that. Maybe they attract a lot of the big names and stuff. So maybe branding this as more of like a cryptocurrency privacy thing. You might get some more interest from some of the bigger names, even though we all know it's basically Monero. It's kind of dumb that this is the case, but yeah, it, was, you know, yeah. supporting cryptocurrency privacy and technology innovation is this really the same as supporting Monero. I mean, by and large, at least for the, the voice you're making here, you're expressing the same points. Developers should be able to make this code. People should be able to run the code. Things like that. Totally agree. Yeah, we might try to rework it to make it a little more broad. Yeah, you think you think we could get like you know some Ethereum folk and Bitcoiners to to participate? Yeah, that's the hope because there is. I mean, for better or worse, you know, the, the projects don't have much actual privacy adoption, but there's a lot of money, relatively, in Ethereum privacy technologies uh, and research. So. Everyone who's doing like a scaling solution for Ethereum is going to be investing in things like ZK rollups, even though they're not directly related to things like privacy. They, it, it's still pursuing technologies that they want the you know, protected right to be able to continue working on. So they would be more interested in this type of event, probably if it was less strictly Monero focused, even though if. You know, if, if this event just happens and everyone's wearing a Monero shirt, then, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> awesome, All right. man. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for always looking to have active events like this. I think uh, there haven't been many in-person crypto things. And this particular issue hits a weird nail on the head. I think you're going to have some people that are pro-privacy that are anti money privacy you, i mean you've you've interviewed plenty of people that yeah. kind of have that view right yeah. so you're gonna have to struggle to attract some of the older people who fought the fought the previous privacy battles but mm-hmm. overall i think most people are able to understand why you're you're fighting for these sorts of rights and and protecting developers and and i hope that you're able to get a nice crowd awesome yeah, we hope so too Thank you, sir. Thank you to everybody else that jumped on. Really appreciate you guys jumping on. Hop on anytime. Uh, really great comments from, from the both of you. Greatly appreciate it. There was one question somebody asked about Exodus Wallet. So they're still down wondering when we'll push an update. They posted, I don't remember where they posted it, but they had they had announced that they will support XMR and that they are not ready for the hard fork update update. But they're a closed source wallet, so I don't recommend them anyway. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot about them. <laughs> yeah, they they did not support Monero right now, so you'd have to get your mnemonic seed from there. I think each wallet has its own mnemonic seed kind of hidden, or Monero's case. So you have to go to like advanced and then click on mnemonic seed, and then then you can restore that in any other wallet that supports uh, Monero currently. Or you wait. All right. righty. So with that, I guess we'll close it we'll up. Close it up. All right, guys. Thank you guys for joining Thank us. Thank you so much. Don't forget to Thank like. You, the video helps us out and we don't say it enough and uh yeah i guess we'll uh we'll see you next week thank you for joining us on this week's Mineratopia episode we stream live shows every saturday at 11 a.m eastern you can find and subscribe to our show on youtube and odyssey or listen to the podcast on itunes spotify or stitcher don't forget to follow us on twitter or join us in the Mineratopia telegram group see you all next week